0: Welcome to the Awake Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined me today. You know, I remember as a little girl watching the movie Cinderella and that song, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes When You're Fast Asleep. The dictionary defines the word dream as something that you've wanted very much for a long time or the possibility of doing something. And you know, as I've traveled around the world, there's something I've realized about dreaming. It's a privilege. It's a gift. And just like in the story of Cinderella with her glass slipper, dreams are very fragile. Not everybody has the opportunity to dream. That's, that's hard for us to understand here in, in our lives, but it's true. And for so many of those people, even if they are able to dream, those dreams are shattered. This past month at World Help, our advocates have been focused on one of our initiatives in Ethiopia, a Safe Motherhood Initiative. And I've had the privilege of being there on the ground and seeing this program firsthand. And many of the women I met there were recovering from broken bodies. But perhaps even more painful than that, they were recovering from broken dreams. You see, they're suffering from a condition called fistula. And the stigma of fistula has robbed them of any hope of having a normal life. And before receiving the help that our program there offers, they were complete outcasts. They were literally left for dead. And so many of these are young girls, really young girls, with their lives just starting. And yet they're told by society, they can never dream again. And I think that's why this program is so special to me and so close to my heart. It's, it's not just a place that these women can recover and have medical healing or temporary relief it's a place where broken women can learn to dream again where their lives are literally being redeemed for women we can't help but be touched by a program like this because we can immediately relate and empathize with these women i mean first of all just as a woman but especially for those of us that are mothers and have given birth ourselves This just hits us in a special way. But this is not an initiative that only women should care about. Maternal health issues are something we should all care about. Half of all women in developing countries lack access to the recommended maternal health care that they need. And this has an incredible impact, not just on maternal health, but there is an impact on the economy. Because as Kofi Annan once said, there is no tool for development more effective than the empowerment of women. Now, talking about maternal health and about fistulas that I'll explain in a minute may make some of you men listening, feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, many of you probably did not want to even be in the room when your own children were born, let alone talk in detail about someone else's birth experience. But let me take a moment and, in my own way, try to explain to you who who may not be familiar with fistula, what this condition really is. Fistula comes from prolonged labor. So women who are in labor for days at a time, and in in a lot of cases in Ethiopia, this could be seven days or more. So they're in labor all of this time. In most cases, their babies are born, stillborn. So their babies are dead, and they wake up with even um, more horror than having to lose their child, but they're left with a fistula. They're left incontinent. And what that means in just plain real graphic terms is that they're left with a hole, which means they cannot control their bowels. So everything leaks out, the urine, the feces, um, they smell, Uh, their husbands, in most cases, abandon them, their families abandon them, they're treated like outcasts, they no longer can live in their own home, they're kicked out, if there's... in in their community, they're nice enough, they may give them a room or a a separate hut or something to live in, but they are kept separate from the community. In essence, their life is over. In Ethiopia alone, there are approximately 37,500 untreated cases of fistula, 3,500 new cases every year. You see, only 10% of deliveries in Ethiopia occur in a medical facility, which is why this is happening. And so for 90% of the fistula cases, the births result in stillbirths. And what makes this heartbreaking is fistula is entirely preventable. And in most cases, about 90%, it's repairable. Yet women suffer for years. Half of the population of Ethiopia lives on less than a dollar a day, making this one of the poorest nations on earth. And 85% of their population doesn't live in the cities, they live in the rural areas lacking access to medical care. And the chance that a mother will die giving birth in Ethiopia is 1 in 27, one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the world. There's so much more that I could tell you about fistula, but instead I wanna direct you to some resources that will help give you the information that you need. The first place you can go is to my website at noelleyates.com and go under initiatives where you'll find some more information about Ethiopia. And not only can you read more about it there, but you also can watch a video Uh, that I made while I was in Ethiopia, and you will see stories of the women that I met there and and follow my journey and and help you understand this issue a bit more. The second place I would direct you is to a documentary called Walk to Beautiful. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, Watching this documentary was eye-opening for me. It is moving, and it takes you into the real lives of these women and the struggles that they face every day. And thirdly, I direct you to a book called Half the Sky. It was written a few years back uh, by Nick Kristof, the New York Times journalist. And it really highlights issues facing women around the world, all all different kinds of issues. But chapter six specifically talks about maternal mortality. And again, this will be an in-depth look into women that are really struggling with this. He, he interviews and talks to a lot of women, but also uh, doctors and nurses who work directly with these women. And one nurse in particular he quotes, it's a, a nurse and a midwife who worked in a fistula hospital, and she says that the fistula patient is the modern day leper, and that if this happened to men, we would have foundations and supplies coming in from all over the world. But this is not happening to men, it's happening to women. He also quotes a doctor that says these are the women most to be pitied in the world and that for lepers or AIDS victims, there are organizations that help, but nobody knows about these women or helps them. And you know, most of us don't know what fistula is because we don't experience it here in the United States, but it was not all that long ago that where the Waldorf Astoria in New York City now stands, there was once... A fistula hospital there, but we eradicated fistula with C sections. And the area that we work with is in the northern region of Ethiopia, and it's considered the worst place on the planet to be pregnant. And this is because of the lack of roads, the the rugged terrain in the area, the, the lack of access to obstetric care, but it's the worst place on the planet to be pregnant. Can you imagine? And I remember standing on this beautiful Ethiopian hillside and I watched in the distance as I saw these young girls carrying water, big heavy jugs of water on their head. And they just kept walking and walking as, as, as long as I sat there and watched them. It seemed like they had such a long journey ahead of them. And I realized and I found out later that what I was actually seeing is actually one of the reasons why these fistulas are happening because you see these women in most cases are forced to do hard manual labor at such an early age that in many cases it stunts their growth. Then culturally these girls are getting married at such a young age. I mean 10, 11, 12 years old and then they're getting pregnant at such a young age and it's simply a recipe for disaster. Their bodies just can't handle it. And then on top of it, on top of getting married at such a young age, giving birth at such a young age, losing your child, being left with this horrible stigma of a fistula, being an outcast in your community, culture tells these women that they are cursed, that this happened to them because they are cursed from God. Their family abandons them and they have no help. And I visited a fistula hospital where I saw how repairable fistula is. In fact, I think 90% of them are repairable. And I saw the women there who have had the surgery and were laying in the beds recovering. And I knew this was really just the beginning of a long journey for them because many of them have nothing to go back to even after they're healed. So they had begun to heal physically But emotionally and spiritually, there was so much more work to do. And that's what I love about our program. Because after these women receive the surgery that they so desperately need, our partners take them through a four-week program that gives them spiritual and emotional counseling, showing them that they are not cursed from God. And physically, this is why this happens to you and that God loves you and has a beautiful plan for your life. They're given a microloan so that when they finish the program, they can start their own business and, and support themselves. And here's what I love the most. When they graduate, they become safe motherhood ambassadors. And they literally go house to house in these communities, visiting the expectant mothers and showing them and teaching them and educating them how to prevent fistula. And I followed one of these safe motherhood ambassadors around in a community one day and I went into this home with her as she visited this expectant mother and she had a little book and it was a picture book for the mothers that can't read and it walks them through what's going to happen and when they should go to the hospital and they give them little easy tips that when the baby starts to move in your belly, that's when you need to walk to the hospital. And together with our partners, they've trained hundreds of safe motherhood ambassadors who have attended thousands of deliveries and significantly have reduced maternal health problems in this area because their goal is not to treat fistula, but it's to end fistula in Ethiopia. I met some of these women who have been impacted from the program. I remember one day I talked to Teje. She was married at 10 years old. By 14, she was pregnant. She was in labor for seven days. A 14 year old pregnant in labor for seven days. The baby didn't survive. She was left with the fistula, and for four years, she suffered with that fistula. She was cut off. She was rejected. She suffered from depression. She told us she contemplated suicide. But the surgery has given her the healing that she needs, and this program has given her the emotional healing that she needs. I met Mulu, who suffered with fistula for 50 years, and she got fistula from being raped. I met Bizunesh, who's told us, now I have hope, I have training, and now I have this new dress and I feel beautiful. I'm sure for the first time in so long, she felt beautiful. These women never dreamed that they could be living the lives that they are now living, that they could receive the help that they have received. But the stories of these women are being rewritten every day. You know, right before I went to Ethiopia, I had decided to make my new resolution for the coming year. And it was about dreaming bigger dreams. That was my resolution, that I could dream bigger. And it's clear now that God knew exactly what he was doing. And I, I want to share a little bit of that story with you. See, for some reason, my dreams at that time had become so small. Because when they're small... They're easy to control and manage. There's no risk involved because then I might get hurt or embarrassed or, God forbid, I might fail. And so I was living my life safe. I began to dream expected dreams, ones that usually don't require a big God. A few years ago, I received a very special Mother's Day gift. And I guess to say that I received it is not actually the truth because I kind of gave it to myself. Sometimes those are the best gifts, right? Well, for a few years, I had been really wanting a dog, but not just any dog. We already had two dogs as a family. I wanted a small dog. I wanted a lap dog. I wanted a dog that I could carry around town with me. I wanted a a teacup. You know, I wanted uh, Reese Witherspoon and Legally Blonde. I wanted that kind of dog. So, I started to do my research, or at least I thought I did my research, and I found a breeder nearby that was selling teacup chihuahuas. And I probably should have known, I probably should have seen some red flags when I met this breeder in an old grocery store parking lot to look at the dogs. But I didn't. I saw those puppies, I looked into their eyes, and I was in love. And this one puppy in particular I picked out and He was the tiniest puppy I had ever seen, and the breeder assured me that he would only get to be about four or five pounds, and I dreamed of dressing him up in cute little clothes and carrying him around town in this bag and in the car with me, and that dream lasted probably all of about a week. Until I went to the vet, you know, that appointment you're supposed to have after you get a a new pet. And I proudly filled out those forms at the vet's office that I had a teacup chihuahua. And I went in and the vet looked the dog over and quickly told me that this dog would at least grow to be nine pounds. And I about died. I mean, nine pounds, that was not what I had signed up for. I wanted a teacup dog and I was immediately just filled with embarrassment and humiliation that i had come in and filled that form out teacup. And I'm sure the doctor and, and the people working that office that day got a big kick out of me. And so literally for the next week I debated what to do. Like, should I give this dog back? I mean, this is, this is not what I thought I was purchasing, but My family had already started to bond with this dog, and I thought, what kind of message does that send to my kids that I'm I'm giving this dog back just because he's going to get too big? So we kept the dog, and each week the dog grew and grew. To date, I think he weighs probably over 11 pounds, but I really don't know because I've stopped weighing him. It's just too depressing. The cute outfits obviously don't even fit him anymore. I would look ridiculous trying to carry this dog around town. And one day, my husband, who's got a big kick out of this whole ordeal, said, You thought you were getting a teacup, but I actually think you got a big gulp. And there it was right in front of me. My little teacup dream had turned into a big gulp. (laughs) I had dreamed a small dream. But I had been given a big one. So this not-so-little dog has sort of become a permanent fixture in our family. And in a weird sort of way, it's kind of brought us closer. I mean, we're all unified in our love for him. And I'm surprised every day at how much I love that dog. But if I had known I was signing up for 11 pounds, I would have passed. In fact, I would have ran. Now, I know that I'm just talking about a dog here. But isn't that what we should really want out of life? For God to take our little dreams and make them better. To help us dream bigger dreams for our lives, for our families, for our communities, for the world. And to still be surprised by God's overwhelming love for us. But perhaps our dreams are too small. Maybe you and I need to dream bigger. Maybe our dreams are just teacups. And just like those Ethiopian women who are getting a second chance to dream, I believe God now has a new dream for us, a bigger dream, a a more far-reaching dream that he wants us to dream together. And I believe that dream is to share the hope that has changed us with a world that is desperate for good news. Thank you so much for listening in today. For more information on Ethiopia, you can visit my website at noelleyates.com. You can learn more about this initiative there as well as watch a video. And to follow along with me, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at NoelleYates. And until next time, may we all find ourselves awake and doing a world of good.